All right, Nick, it's time to dive into another Tommy Wiseau project. You are such a good friend of mine that I'm not even going to put one of the letters in parentheses. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast, where we review the latest and sometimes greatest movies every week, and sometimes whatever the hell this is. Gerald is here with you, and over on the other side is an alien from another planet with long, flowing black hair who's always asking about my sex life. Nick, how are you? <laughs> oh, hi, Gerald. Good to see you, man. Uh, wow. So another retro roulette review. We spun the wheel last week. We got a patron-selected review to do this week, Glasses Guy. And it is for the Greg Cicero, Tommy Wiseau-helmed Best Friends, which comes in two volumes. And we're going to talk about the full project tonight. Dos Volyamos. Right. right, you saw that's both, That's how right? you pronounce that. That's exactly how that works. Yeah, so the whole thing is <laughs> going to be a discussion. My brain hurts. I watched Volume 2 today. We're going to do a new segment this week, too, guys. We're going to call it Spill the Peas, where we look at some interesting news stories that have come up in entertainment in the last week since we recorded. Uh, we just came up with this idea a few days ago, but there's a couple articles I wanted to run by you, Nick, and see what you think here. Oh, no, I've spilled the peas. That's the sound drop. That's the sound drop for now until I until I get one made. You got to get a sound drop. Bong Joon-ho, of course, Parasite, the Oscar-winning director, has a highly anticipated movie, a sci-fi film called Mickey 17, that was supposed to come out and be in the Oscars race this past year, got pushed back to 2024. But today, they announced that it's been released in January of 2025. That's the bad news. The good news is it's going to have an IMAX release. But January of 2025, it was in my top 10 most anticipated of this year. I'm pissed. Did you see this? How do you feel about this? You're a fan of Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. I know you hated, uh, what was the one on the train that you hated? Uh, uh, Snowpiercer is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is right. like unfathomably stupid um, no push it to 2030 push it to 2040 i don't care i'm not i do not care about bong joon ho like a lot of people do parasite was oh, fine man. parasite was not some like lauded masterpiece like of whatever it was. like it was i'm sorry it's one of the greatest films of the last I'm sorry like, all years. the film twitter listeners and viewers just tuned out but you should like, be apologizing no. to me as one of my favorite films of the last no, I, no it's, it's it's fine like i think i gave it like a seven like it's not a bad movie by any means but it's not like the, like this next level masterpiece that people lauded it as i'm sorry it's not I disagree, and I'm so, also yeah, upset about Mickey. I don't 17. really. I honestly, God, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I got one that you. I got one that you probably do care about, though. We covered the creator on the show this year, and I know you're a fan of Gareth Edwards. He has been uh, lauded as the lead, like the director for the new Jurassic World film for Universal. So we're going to get a Gareth Edwards Jurassic World film. What do you think, man? I, I'm kind of into this. I like this news. No. 
You don't? I don't care who's directing it. I don't want another Jurassic movie. The last one had but, locusts in it, Gerald. Do you remember the locusts? I do, but I guess I'm thinking about what he did with the Godzilla 2014. And... I mean, look, look, Gareth Edwards is a fantastic visual director. His sense of scale in film, like things like Rogue One, even in like the creator and uh, his Godzilla film, like all those different movies. Yes, like he's a fantastic visual director, and I think he's definitely got the chops to film this thing visually. But yeah. it's not going to be about what this film looks like. We all know it's going to look good because they're going to mm. dump an absolute truckload of money into the budget to make it look good. But what mm. on earth story is there left to tell in this franchise? Like the last one was Locusts, Gerald. Locusts. They ran out of they ran out of interesting <laughs> dinosaur <laughs> dinosaur stories to tell so much that yeah. they just were like. Hey, just just give them locusts instead like we we could just have dinosaurs sort of be in it sometimes but make it all about locusts so you want this franchise dead is that i what want I'm it dead and gone like i, I right, literally okay. i i after 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 what was it called dominion or whatever mm-hmm. um and then the one before that was terrible too like the one before it was terrible and colin trevorrow's jurassic world was barely barely passable and i think the, the what was the second one called the second jurassic world movie whatever it was called but uh, the only thing, good thing about that was Jay Bayona's direction. So I have a feeling that that's going to be more of the same. I'll remain optimistic. Like the original Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies, like top 20 of all yeah. time. Like iconic, iconic score. Like every time I see that shot. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. And, they're chasing that too, though. They're, well, they're I mean, yeah. It. And, and they'll continue yeah, chasing it. it and they'll continue failing because they just don't have any new ideas to bring to this. Like I said, what, what, else, what else do you do with this? Do you build another I mean, park? With you. Do you reopen another park here, and then do the dinosaurs escape and eat people? I mean, sure. But no, do I don't. I don't want to see that. <laughs> kids love dinosaurs. People love dinosaurs. Do you put more it. locusts in it? Maybe it could be about no. another creature, like uh, don't do uh, the beavers. <laughs> Whatever. I thought this was kind of strange. Sam Mendes, a director I like. It is going to do four separate biopic films, and it's going to follow each member of the Beatles POV. And they're going to be four separate movies, but they're going to be happening at you know in the same universe, intertwined with each other. So we're going to get a Ringo movie, we're going to get a John Lennon movie, etc. Paul McCartney. I, this is a kind of a lot right i mean why don't we just do a beatles biopic like i i I don't know what do you think about that angle that they're going to take there i have two immediate thoughts uh number one conceptually so if listen this is 1917 sam mendez american beauty sam mendez uh like Mm. his resume is stacked on stacked on stacked if anybody can pull this kind of a concept off like it sounds really really cool so what it sounds like is is there's going to be like those moments where you know the different characters are going to come together and be together in the different scenes like what would be really really great i mean think about it conceptually g like you could take these characters and you could have like a a scene between all four beetles but then you go follow john and you kind of hear like john's thoughts about the interaction that they just had maybe he's you know mad at paul Mm. for whatever reason or blah 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 like you could get like the internal kind of monologue of all the different characters and like they're all they're all things and then they go off on their own and they're like you see the different things that happen to them in their own lives and things like that conceptually it sounds absolutely fascinating and i'm sure mendez can pull it off but it's also the beatles i don't like the beatles i don't care about the beatles so 
Yeah. I'm I'm not interested in it like from the jump, just from that perspective. Like I get it, like I get their place in music history. They're just not the band for me. Four separate movies all releasing in the same year. I don't know what the width apart from them will be. It just says in 2027. So I don't know. It just seemed like kind of overkill, even for somebody that does like the Beatles. Like I like their catalog. I mean, they're not one of my favorite bands ever, but I do respect them. I mean, it and depends I like their music. on, I don't know. Like, I guess it depends on exactly to what degree it's going to, I mean, obviously if they're going to dedicate an entire movie to each individual member, then, you know, they feel like they've got enough story to tell. Cause I mean, let's fa- like, I, I mean, realistically, like, you know, like you think about a, a biopic, like uh Bohemian Rhapsody, like there's plenty of interesting stuff. I'm sure about all the other people that are in queen. Right. You know, but we only got we only got, you know, it's basically a Freddy movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's something that they could do is like kind of, you know, switch up the music biopic, which has kind of gotten stale. You know, the music biopic has definitely gotten extraordinarily stale. Like I said, I would trust honest to God, G trust in Mendez. Think about his catalog. I mean, he's going to pull it off like it's Sam Mendez. Uh, I would have faith in him to do literally anything. It's kind of in the end of the day. Like, we'll see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just it it doesn't strike a chord with me though because I'm not a Beatles fan. Like it just I that yeah, I part it. of it just misses for me. The last thing I want to mention is the BAFTAs, the basically the British Oscars was this past weekend, and a huge precursor leading up to the Academy Awards, which will be on March 10th, and kind of end award season, if you will. And um, Oppenheimer went won seven for the British Awards. The other kind of races that are interesting, and I just kind of want to ask what you think, because it's kind of a two-headed race in the best actress and the best actor category, and these different precursors, they kind of keep seesawing back and forth. Killian Murphy won here at the BAFTAs for lead actor. Obviously, Paul Giamatti won the Critics' Choice for that, and the SAG will be this weekend, which will be a huge kind of see who wins that. A lot of people think Bradley Cooper might win it which would be a whole like, well, who cares? Because <laughs> he's not going to win the Oscar. Yeah, right. But uh, so Killian Murphy got leading actor. Emma Stone got lead actress for Poor Things. Lily Gladstone is obviously her main competition. So I wanted to ask about those two races, your opinion, because it seems like it's going to be Murphy versus Giamatti for the Oscar. And then it's going to be the Stones. It's going to be Gladstone and Emma Stone for the actress Oscar do you have what do you prefer there? What do you what do you think is going to happen there? So what I think is going to happen is I think Nolan and Oppenheimer are both going to win the big ones at the Oscars. Nolan's going to take best director. I think Oppenheimer is going to win best picture, and that and 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 uh, Downey's going to win best supporting. So right. I think I think that the Academy because they love to spread the love around a lot of the time and the holdovers mm-hmm. isn't going to get anything else. I think Giamatti wins the Oscar. Uh, honestly, like from just from that, just from that, like it, they could, it could, it could swing to the sweep yeah. for Oppenheimer too. Like Oppenheimer might take all the big stuff, um, you know, but I really like the Academy loves to spread the love around. Like they really, yeah. they really have in recent years where they want everything to get a little something, something. So I really feel like that's really the holdovers best. And it's it's the only thing it's nominated for, isn't it? Or maybe a couple smaller, like Dave, I enjoy Randolph will win supporting for that, for the holdovers. Um, yeah. So she's, she's been sweeping all season and I would be shocked if she didn't win the Oscar for supporting. But yeah. other than that, I mean, yeah, it doesn't have a whole lot. 
at least that it's in the running for. I think for I think for best stuff. actress, I think I, I again I, I I will say it until the cows come home. I think Lily Gladstone is incredible, impeccable in an underwritten role, mm-hmm. and she's she's the best part of Killers of the Flower Moon by far. I man. I say, I say, I say, she wins it, even though this probably is the performance of Stone's career. Yeah, but yeah, I, that's, I don't that's, know. That's the tough one for me. Still, is, is that really is tough? I only, I only really like, like the holdovers and and the Oppenheimer thing. Like the only thing is, like I've seen years before where you know because uh, because a film is cleaning up and it's winning a whole bunch of other awards, they don't give like even though they're a front runner it's like a surprise and like you know the like somebody else right. wins that one you know because they're just like you know when they're filling out that ballot they do mental math of like oh well we've given this many votes to oppenheimer so i guess we better tick yeah. one over here for 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 whatever i i hope giamatti wins it i mean obviously i love alexander payne i love giamatti it's not to take anything away from murphy but you know he's such a beloved actor so yeah, I don't know. I got to do my predictions video in a couple of weeks, but you know, obviously before the award show. And Best I, I don't actress, know. I think, is is the is the toughest one for me to call. That's I think a tough even one. even up until the moment the statue is handed out, I'm going to be like flip flopping between the two. Ask we'll me tomorrow. What, I might I might pick I might right. pick the other way. And I think the Academy's members are going to be a lot like that too. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Especially if they're watching these other shows and seeing these you know uh, speeches that these actors are giving. Yeah. Uh, Oscar voting starts on as we're recording tomorrow on Wednesday. So, and it's like a two week period that they vote. So, you know, the Baptist just happened. The screen actors guild awards will be happening while voting is open. So, you know, people are going to be influenced by what they see on the stages at these other shows. And yep. we've already gotten so many, I think it's, man, it's, it's like a flip a coin situation for those two races specifically though. And all four of those people involved are so deserving. Yeah. So I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting race that, you can't or those two races that you can't say are predictable because yeah, it's you can't look at one or the other and say like this person deserves to win over this person right you know right. it's it's like you're going to be disappointed either way but you're also going to be happy either way you know it's it's right. not necessarily going to be a case of why isn't this person winning this why isn't what whatever you know it's just it's it's yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be tough it's going to that those two races are going to be the make it or break it in a lot of oscar pools this year We'll see. And when we uh, get together next week and do Spill the Peas, we'll see what the Screen Actors Guild did, which will be like the last major precursor uh, to see if that, you know, influences the voters. Well, besides the, the Golden Peas, I mean, I, do you think the Golden Peas is going to influence anybody from the Academy? I highly doubt it. I mm. highly doubt it. Uh, although I will mention we had that last night and Oppenheimer did sweep, which Oppenheimer did you know, sweep. I polled. I polled social media, basically people that follow me on social media. And hundreds of votes came back, and it was an Oppenheimer sweep. So, I don't know. You kind of tap in a little bit to the psyche of the of the public there a little bit, kind of a small sample size. But I think it is Oppenheimer's year. I mean, that's the movie of 2023. We've already kind of talked about that, maybe coupled with Barbie. But has Killian showed be... up at the garage there to to pick up he's all here. the uh, to pick up yeah, all he's the here. he's over there. Uh, I don't know. He's like drinking a scotch or something. I don't know. He's very quiet. He doesn't really say a whole lot. Oh, okay. He okay. just he just kind of looks he just, over. He at just me wants and... to, he just wants to be peaceful over there. And yeah, okay. <laughs> he's on he's on my wife's side of the garage, just kind of okay. drinking and watching the stars. It's a, it's a thing. I don't know. He's a cool guy though. All right, uh, that was our brand new segment called Spill the Peas. We'll play with it, guys. If you have any feedback, please let us know in the comments. Or send Their us a feedback message. Is going to be pick 
pick things that Nick cares about to talk about for <laughs> Why don't you come up with them? We'll we'll alternate. I'll let you come up with them one week and if then I, I'll here's do the the next thing. week. I don't ever see anything. I, I literally pay no attention to any entertainment news whatsoever. So sure. like I, I know nothing about things unless I see them in the theater or unless you tell me about them. So well, that's cool to kind of see your reaction to if it's something you're hearing for the first time. Did you know about a lot of those stories I mentioned no. tonight or no? No, I'd never okay. heard of any of them. So okay, well, that's good. Kind of a I knew, kind of angle I knew, I knew that somebody was writing a new Jurassic movie that was due out, and it's due out 2025 too, right? It's like next year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like that's... I knew somebody was writing it, but like I, I, I'm so, I'm still so burned on the franchise from Dominion. I really yeah, I don't have faith in them creating something that's going to be, it doesn't listen. It doesn't even have to be original. It just has to be, it's like, a, it's a Godzilla movie at this point. G like, just give us mm-hmm. compelling human characters, some decent yeah, human drama so that we care about the people when the dinosaurs are eating them. Don't give us ridiculously convoluted nonsense but, plots like locusts, but fair. That's going to be a screenplay issue. I guess kind of what you're saying, but in Gareth Edwards defense, I feel like a lot of the movies that he's helmed have done that like Rogue One and I mean even the creator with, well he you know, wrote the, the creator too so that is his fault uh 100% from a script standpoint so I get it I get it the creator was the now, we we said it in our review the creator was a beautiful movie it did look exactly. great like yeah mm-hmm. the new Jurassic movie like like take it it's Gareth Edwards man it's gonna look amazing it's gonna look so good man I hope his Godzilla stomps out of the forest of Isla Nublar and just eats up the T-Rex or speaking of <laughs> speaking of looking good we're gonna talk about Ooh. Ooh. best friends guys but uh nick reach in there man we start every review with what we call one big question you could ask yourself a question i have a lot of questions number one how dare you this one's a good one, my buddy. This one's a good mm-hmm. one. And it goes right along with, I'm sure, what we're going to probably talk about when we talk about the movies, uh, plural, here today mm-hmm. on the show. Julio, our good buddy Julio. Oh, wow. Because I stole his Flash question. Thank God. And asked if this was the Flash of Tommy Wiseau movie. Sorry, Julio. He Nailed had it. to ask us a serious question, and it was pretty much the only serious question we got. Now, I'm going <laughs> to... I love I love all of our friends. I love all of yeah, our friends sure. like on social media, on Facebook, on Discord, whatever. Ask us serious questions, guys. We love serious questions. We don't need to know if like the, about the golden peas being advertised more gainy. Something we can discuss. Absolutely. I agree with you. Julio said, Gerald, are you laughing with Tommy or laughing at Tommy? And does it matter? That's a great question. Why well, you weren't kidding, huh? Yeah, I really like that question. So I think, and for me, I'm kind of new to all this. I mean, we did the room a few months ago as a retro review. That was the first time I'd seen it in its entirety and kind of got to witness the whole, you know, pop culture phenomenon you that gave it was. It, you gave that. it a pretend bad score to, you know, to still stay in with your film Twitter crowd. I get it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Keep my rep. <laughs> Killian Murphy's here. He's watching me, dude. I can't be, you know. I bet Killian Murphy loves the room. I think for me, in answering this question and kind of hearing that and kind of thinking about it, I would say I probably started out kind of laughing at him. And as I've gotten to know him through these projects, like in Best Friends, for example, it was more laughing with him because I felt like this character uh, of 
what's his name in the goddamn movie? Um, in this movie, it's Harvey. Harvey. I feel like his character of Harvey in, in the Best Friends movies was much more of an improvised kind of thing where he was almost being himself and it wasn't like a forced, scripted take that went horribly wrong, which is, I feel like, what happened in the room. So I think it's been a progression for me. I, I, I would say the simple answer is both, but I think as time has gone on, I'm kind of in on the joke a little bit and I kind of am laughing with him at this point. What about you? I, I definitely with uh, for me, uh, you know, my love for the room. I mean, but in a by objective standards, quote unquote, uh, it, it can't be considered a good film in, in, in any sense of the in any sense of the term. I love it because of the passion that clearly went into making it, even though even if the talent wasn't necessarily there to back it up. It's like, hey, this dude cared enough, like to try to make his dream project happen and did it. And and, and and like no matter what the results are and no matter what has become of him and his trajectory in Hollywood and everything like that since like he swung for it he went for it mm -hmm. you know True. and and I and I have I have a lot of respect for that uh so you know like yeah like it's it's never gonna it's never gonna be lauded as the greatest motion picture of all time but man do I have an absolute blast watching it you know because there was a sincere effort that went into it I feel I feel it's evident from watching it that there's a sincere effort that went into making it, you know, in his in his vision, like like whatever, whatever be damned. It's kind of it's kind of like I'm, like we reviewed Saltburn on the on the on the show and I wasn't nearly as high on it as you. But I got all the respect in the world for Emerald Fresnel because, again, that is 100 percent the film she wanted to make. And you could feel right. that passion and that energy that she had for it. You know, well, to um to Julio's question, too, I don't know if you read this or if you knew this prior to because I know you saw a work print of this a few years ago, but um, I had obviously never seen. I mean, I'd kind of heard about this best friends existing, but I didn't really know anything about it aside yeah. from just the two of them were in it. But uh, to to Julio's question, too, before we dive into the review, I had read before watching these movies in the last few days that Sestero wanted to make the movie because he felt bad for Tommy and kind of the ridicule that he received after the room. Did you read that or do you know that? Uh, no, I hadn't read that. No, I don't know if that's makes been sense. confirmed by him. But I, mean, I mean, Harvey was very clearly like, like make no mistake. Harvey was very clearly written with Wizzo in mind. Like Cicero sure. wrote that character for Wizzo. Sure. Like a hundred percent. And and then he kind of like you know like some of it I'm sure was scripted dialogue but there there's a little bit of like it's probably difficult to tell exactly how much of just Tommy slipped in there you know in in different parts of that performance we'll get into it when we talk more about the movie yeah but... I think it was probably a lot <laughs> yeah at least I kind of hope it was but um, all right so thank you guys for the one big question and like Nick said don't be afraid to actually ask us a question <laughs> that you want or us give to us discuss both like if you give us both I'm fine with that. <laughs> Oh, man. One of these days, we're, you know what we should do? We should have a segment where we only a answer, is this the flash of blank? And that's that. We should just question. take like the best of the flash oh, questions man. at some point, And those are the only ones we answer for mm -hmm. yeah, that, the mm -hmm. whole week. All right. Uh, as we get into our discussion of Best Friends, Volume 1 and 2, we're going to kind of combine it and just do a discussion of these movies. And we Let's still got to read it, them separately, right? Oh, I, I gave one rating for them combined, but I can. Ooh. Do you want to do? What do you want to do? I want to rate them. I'm going to rate them separately. Actually, I well, 
I don't know if your score is the same for both. Here, you could still give me your combined score, but then I want to hear what it is. Because it has to be a separate score for each one. All right, roll the sound drop. Early score reveal. Here we go. Damn it. This always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. All right. Calm down there, Beavis. All right, so I'll count (laughs) us in here. He wants to score. And then, so you're going to show both yours, or you want to do one at a time, or what do you want to do? Up to you. How do you want to do it? You want to do volume one first and then volume two, or do you want to do both at the same time? It's going to be easy for me. So three, two, one. Let's do volume one. All right. So volume one. Five. All right. So a four, a four for me on volume one, best friends, a five from Nick. Yep. All right. I'm going to keep this up for volume two. So let's do our volume two. I'm going to raise up a four. And also a four volume two. I was really surprised actually to hear how many people said that they thought volume two was better. No, it's well, it's more absurd. I mean, I guess when you say the word better, I guess it depends on what you're kind of craving with these movies, but we'll get into it. So what the fuck? You really messed with my head on the math on that. Did you do that on purpose? Is that why you (laughs) want to do it separate? What? Uh, Let's see. So that's seven. I have a four. That's 17 divided by four, <laughs> which is like 4.25 for the overall score from the piece. So we'll say four and a half, I guess. I, I, we don't Sh- do point sure. two fives. All right. <laughs> so we'll say it a four and a half from the piece on cumulatively on Best Friends Volume 1 and 2. But let's get into it, man. So this is going to be spoilery. These movies came out in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If you are listening to this review, you've probably seen them or you're a fan of Wizzo or Sestero or whatever. So this was chosen by our patrons. Don't listen to this if you don't want to be spoiled. We're just going to kind of talk about both of these movies as we go through the next 20 minutes or so. So be warned, they will be spoiled. Nick, a huge fan of The Room, a huge fan of Tommy Wiseau. You've already even talked about it tonight. You are the super fan of the dudes involved in this project that we're covering. I'm going to let you go first because you got a five over there. You got a four over there. You're kind of right in the (sighs) middle of the 10 scale there. What are you think of this whole best friends thing man and then i'll and then i'll jump in man alive it's really really tough for me like it's like you said i really really do love the room i've got a lot of love for sestero and wizzo i think honestly what really fails and 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 this is specific to part one and there's a there's a there's also a because these are these are separate movies, but they're also the same experience. And I think that there's mm-hmm. something that has to be said for the combined experience, too, and how one movie informs and influences your feelings about the other movie. True. I think that the first movie's story, it, like, it, like in, in terms of, besides the fact that it has, like, some extra stuff that gets slapped in there and whatever, I think the first movie story is relatively straightforward. It, like, has a pretty straightforward plot. You know, like he starts working for him at the morgue and finds out he has a whole bunch of gold teeth. So he swipes them and sells them. And meanwhile, he meets some random girl, starts dating her and then brings, you know, Harvey's character into the gold teeth selling business. They decide to clear out like all of his inventory and make a whole bunch of cash. And, you know, then he tries to bump him off and, and all this kind of different stuff happens. It's a pretty straightforward plot. Like it has its more silly elements and stuff like that i think Wazo is i think he tries definitely in some scenes i think he's better in some scenes than others i think he's a little uneven sometimes yeah in in the first film especially i think he's much more even in the uh like even keeled in the second film we'll talk about part two in a little bit but i think i think he's a little bit even i think sestero is 
perfectly fine for what he's given. I don't think any of their performances are truly terrible. They're nothing. They're nothing that you're going to write home about and be like, this is a masterful. Well, the whatever. Pro- the pro- I'll jump in real quick because I, yeah. I agree with what you're what you're saying. I'm hearing a lot of the same thoughts I'm having in my head. But I think what's unremarkable about we're just talking about volume one right now is that you have the opportunity to because let's be frank here anybody that went to see this in 2017 or went to the fathom event or bought this on blu-ray or any of that shit they are the audience for wazo for sestero you know what i mean like you're not getting film bros or film students to go out and buy best friends they are buying it because they're a fan of the room or the lore of the room or whatever so you had an opportunity with that demographic to really lean into what they were probably hoping to get with this movie. Yep. Which is ironic because I obviously was much lower on the room than you are. And a lot of people are, cause I just, you know, I'm new to it, but it's ironic because I feel like had this movie been played with that same, what the fuck is this slapsticky? Like, train wreck vibe i probably would have liked it more if if you could have mixed the tone of the room with the story that we got here with these characters yep i i mean maybe like a six or seven for me probably i mean i feel like those elements would have been great together in the crock pot there but which Instead, is a, a we, thought to hold on to as well for when we get into the discussion of the later parts of volume two because there's a point yeah during which this whole affair goes just banana bananas like it mm-hmm. literally just becomes completely bananas and i and think they tried to it's yeah. a little bit of a tonal shift i don't even think they necessarily tried to ape the tone of the room or anything like that i think that they i think that it it just went off like went bananas like when the safe cracking <laughs> guy the old dude shows up with the safe cracking and all yeah. that different stuff but like that whole sequence happens like that was this like bananas dude like that was so off the wall like the rest of however like the rest of the proceedings were were really really kind of slow to get up to that point like i said volume one is fine story-wise i think where volume one fails is twofold and this is going to be a problem that i have with uh, uh volume two as well is cicero script number one this is two movies g and i know you're the champion of this is too long this whole affair is way too long. There's a tight two hour 10, two hour 15 movie in here because there's a lot of a lot of fluff in both of these movies that can straight up hit the floor. Like it doesn't Absolutely. add any value to this. No question. At all. Uh, like and did they? I, I think McGregor's direction, Justin McGregor's the director of this. Some baffling choices, like why were there like these baffling shots of di- in different frame rates in the same sequence? Like the scene that the cliffs, for example, like they it, it continuously switches shots between different cameras. That I don't know if they're just completely different cameras or if they intentionally shot it at different frame rates to try to like give you some kind of weird effect. It did not play at all. It was really, really bad, actually. And like it actively dro- dragged my score down mm. every time it happened. Like I, I probably would have rated part one higher had it not had that nonsense going on with it. But it just, it just got, it just got worse from there. I want you, I want to, I want to hear you dive into part one a little bit before we really crack part two. 
I mean, this is really an overall kind of topic for both movies because they have a very similar feel. But I did think aesthetically I enjoyed it. Like I thought it it did kind of remind me of like a student film shot on an iPhone at certain points or like a drone, you know, flying yeah. over the city where they yeah. had those establishing shots and that kind of shit. It did kind of remind me of that. But I don't dislike that, though. I, did, I don't dislike that style, you know, if that's kind of what you're going for. And yeah, that's what works. the feel of the movies. Yeah, exactly. So. I did like it from a technical standpoint. I I thought a lot of the sub characters that we get introduced to in the in volume one, because like you said, in volume two, there's a lot of like cartoon characters that are just like <laughs> it, it, it's real. Like you said, it's really that, bizarre. That safe cracking old guy might have wallowed just had like a giant like cowboy bucket hat with like revolvers and been like Yosemite Sam. Like he, that dude was a straight yeah, up cartoon exactly. character. That's exactly. a great way to describe him. That dude is a straight up cartoon character. But I love in the first one, when we got introduced to these new characters, that's not to, you know, insult Tommy or Greg in any way, but they're kind of back and forth after the initial kind of like, you know, he showed up with the bloody shirt and, Tommy takes him in and like whatever. After that initial kind of like, okay, this this these two guys didn't know each other. It kind of became bland and kind of boring. Like I didn't really get anything from their dialogue together on screen. But when new characters would be introduced, especially if the two of them were there with the new characters, I thought it they were great scenes. Like there's a scene where that dude Andre shows up with the two chicks or whatever to check out the gold teeth and like. Tommy, I think Tommy's improvising a lot of that. I don't think any of what Tommy said was scripted because if you watch the actor that's playing Andre, he's even like, oh, what? He just feels like he's reacting to to Tommy (laughs) Wiseau, not the character of Harvey. He feels like he's reacting to Tommy Wiseau (laughs) in the moment. Like, what on earth are you talking about, dude? What planet are you from? Yeah, that's either a masterful performance from Vince (laughs) Joliet is the Joliet is the name of the Um, actor. That's either a masterful performance on his part or, yeah, it's just it's a take where Wiseau just went off page and and, and the actor was just like, what on earth is happening here? And then, like, also kind of didn't seem like he was gonna suffer he was just kind of like no knock it off and there's dude. <laughs> there's one uh there's one part in that scene too where andre is saying something to greg and tommy starts saying something like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> and andre's like what oh, i'm sorry to interrupt you what were you saying <laughs> to tommy <laughs> like as if it weren't going to be in the movie and they were in a scene together do you know what i mean yeah and yeah. then it ends up it ends up making the movie but when when these new characters kind of got introduced and i love tracy especially in volume one like i really liked her character and i thought i believed what was happening with her character in volume one so i also it's funny actually i probably should have ranked two a little bit less but i kind of hated what they did with her character in, in volume two i agree but, because isn't it com- kind of two completely different characters mm-hmm. yeah it does it not is. even play that like the the, the 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 performance doesn't play the same way i don't know what kind of time frame gap there was between shooting these uh or whatever the case may be but these were entirely different characters it almost seemed like which was a shame because yeah i didn't dislike her character at all but i think that I think the reason why I dislike part two more, both scripts for both parts of Best Friends are too long and include way too much fluff. That is especially true in part two. Part two drags endlessly, absolutely endlessly, because it's clear the movie doesn't really have anything to do 
until it gets to that final act and like they're at the uncle's house trying to crack the safe and yosemite sam and like the weird the weird dude on the motorcycle with the acid jugs around his neck shows up to try to burn through the safe and everything do you and, before so we'll shift over to volume two for the next little bit but before we do i just want to ask your opinion i don't I, honestly i have no idea what the answer to this is i'm sure it's out there somewhere or maybe even loy sauce could tell us but do you think they wrote volume two reactionary to volume one or do you think they had this whole thing <laughs> this whole story kind of like we're gonna make this whole thing so i know so uh, loy sauce who you know my former co-host on epic film guys co-host of the two peas gets a special thanks in volume two of best friends like so this is what i remember and you'd have to clarify anything with loisos he'd be able to tell you 100 percent. i can't tell you 100 percent. but i know loisos went to the premiere best friends you know and 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 had a lot of correspondence back and forth with sestero and where sestero sent him the script for volume two this was after the work print of like because we on epic film guys we watched like the work print of part one yeah and it was before part two had been like done or before it was written so i don't these were not written at the same time like maybe, okay maybe sistero had the nugget of the idea or maybe there was a draft of the script when part one was shot but i don't think these were these this wasn't a, a scenario where these were shot concurrently and like written the whole time because like i said I, I i i don't know for sure i can't tell you for sure loisos could but i think he i think he did some like uncredited like script doctoring or something like that for volume two the main problem I have with it as as an, in its entirety is that it's such a distinct difference from the two movies. I feel like with yeah. the same the same characters, you know, in the mix, and the same like kind of like underlying journey, if you will. But it they're tonally so different. There, we already talked about Tracy's character, but I mean, other characters in this movies in, in these two movies are played so different, even though they're the same people. Yeah, which is where it fails. I mean, you think about like a like a Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two. Yeah. Like Kill Bill, both of those films are completely tonally different, but Tarantino's Tarantino and can obviously pull it off. Justin right. McGregor, I don't think can pull off that tonal shift quite as well. And and yeah, these characters, like especially yeah, you're you hit the nail on the head with Tracy that's a completely different character in volume two than it is in volume one. I, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Even if you, even if you look at, uh, I don't know why I keep Harvey. I was going to say, I don't know why I keep forgetting his uh, character's name, but even if you look at like Harvey, which I know was kind of this mysterious fucking Monty Python knight or whatever, (laughs) for the majority of this movie, but even his like, dialogue once he's demasked or whatever he's even different because in volume one he's much more actually kind of similar to how he was in the room where he's much more this kind of sympathetic parental like mentor you know i mean the absurdity of his performance aside i mean that's kind of the role that he takes on with john sistero's character in volume one and in volume two it's like he's this the hero who's like riding in the sunset to save people and and then at the end, we kind of get a loop back around with the real estate and the house that, you know, that he buys him or whatever. Yeah. That kind of spoke to volume one, Harvey, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's just like it's two completely different films, but they're supposed to happen on the same day or a couple days. You know what I mean? Like they just seem like either they're years apart from each other or there's different people 
in the roles. I don't know. They just didn't they didn't line up for me. These these two movies. Yeah. I I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange tonal shift. And I don't think McGregor is a deft enough directorial hand to pull it off. Unfortunately, like I said, I, th- I think, I think the, the, the main problem with both of these films, cause I didn't even really have a problem with the direction for the most part. I think they're both, you know, copyright Dan Brannick fine. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't think that they're necessarily terrible films or anything like that. I've seen much worse this year already. <laughs> Argyle cough. Sorry, <laughs> you know, but but I I just think that I I think that it, it the script was mystifyingly long. Why the decision was made to make two movies out of this instead of cutting this down into one, like I said, like one two hour film. If you cut both of these films together into one two hour film, there's a there's a really good film in there. Definitely the, a tighter the, film. The other problem that I really have though with Volume Two, the reason why it gets a lower score from me is all the weird intercut philosophical nonsense from Harvey where it's the flashback or whatever, it's, or the it's, flash it's, forward, it's whatever it is, whatever, what, whenever that's supposed to take place after he gets yeah. rescued at the end of the movie or whatever, like that, that whole, all that stuff being intercut in there. Like if you wanted to teach us more about this character and more about his past and more of that, that developmentally should have been earlier in the proceedings. But here's the thing, G, if you look at the plot of volume two, minus those flash forwards and minus all those philosophical musings from Harvey's character, they go to her uncle's house and try to open a safe. That's literally the whole plot of volume two. Almost nothing happens throughout the whole movie. There's way too many scenes of ridiculous nonsense with this clint eastwood lookalike uncle yeah and like doing pull-ups on like a pull-up bar that you can get at walmart like i have the same pull-up <laughs> bar downstairs in my basement like it's literally yeah. the same exact one it's like a cheap pull-up bar you can get at walmart for like 30 bucks on the page i don't know what they i'm having trouble and i know it's hard to break down like you know so bad it's good and that whole thing i but i'm having trouble visualizing what Cicero and what the screenplay wanted from that character specifically from some of the other side characters in volume two, because we already talked about how it's so different tonally from volume one, even though it's essentially the same story arc. Like, I just like, what did you think of uh, uncle Rick? I mean, did you, it was just so weird, man. Like, Yes, there was some comedy there. Like, it was funny, but it was so crazy and over the top that it was funny. But I, do you think that was the intent with this character? Or are we supposed to, is he supposed to be menacing? Are we supposed to be fearful for John? Like, what are we? Because there's a period of time in the screenplay in, the, in this in volume two when Rick has basically just like these, a, a string of insults. He's firing at John, <laughs> calling him a pussy and like all this all this stuff while he's sitting on the couch watching TV and John yeah. doesn't say literally anything back to him to stand up for himself the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. Is this supposed to be funny or what, what, what do you think, man? Or yeah, how did I, you take it? I, I don't know. I think, I think you're right. There is a menace to the character, but then like he, he's, he's also over the top kind of funny. I get like some uncle Rico vibes out of him when he's out throwing the football at the side <laughs> right. of his barn in the middle of the night. Sure, like, yeah. which is like such a weird a dream thing. sequence, right? And yeah. and everything, you know. I it's just, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know. And the fact that that character was so prominent in Volume Two, we got so much of him. Yeah, I was like, what was the hell a little is bit much. Like I just was like, 
it was so weird and and they had already had tracy's character was just like this complete antithesis of her part one character to where i just didn't like her anymore and sistero wrote his own character to not really say a lot which i think his performance is good like his nonverbal performance is good in a lot of those scenes i just like he doesn't say a lot so basically the only characters with dialogue for like two-thirds of this movie are tracy and rick and like neither one of them are really enjoyable characters to to even watch on the screen so i you know and then you have the whole swerve like i'm sorry but the swerve is pointless the swerve i hate the swerve it's so stupid that all of a sudden it turns out that like like what like what was this her plan when she met him like it makes no sense that all it of a sudden play into the volume one it no, doesn't play into volume it. one at all like all of a sudden oh she she was like really this crook the whole time that was gonna rip him off like he was nobody he had nothing when he met her like mm-hmm. what and then all of a sudden she's banging this old dude who like right. comes in like they they convolute this whole nonsense where because they never here's the thing at the end of volume one, right? Let's 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 let's, let's compare how this works out here. At the end of volume a one, a literal cliffhanger, by the way, a little, so literal right cliffhanger. <laughs> they park at the end. They park here at this thing because they get Tommy tickets to go to Candlestick Park and watch a Rolling Stones concert. Why? Right. Why your immediate default to Cicero or to I'm sorry, Harvey's accusation that it's a fake ticket be like oh man i they must have sold me some bad tickets or something like that i got them online let me look them up or whatever but immediately sistero's character just caves like to whatever because he knows right. the candlestick park got demolished or whatever you know like that's not even that notwithstanding but they brought wizzo's car but in volume two they never show you what happens to it so you just assume that he you just assume that what that Sistero goes back to it. Like goes back to that car and takes the car after he like shoves him off of the cliff or whatever. Right. And he finds it in the garage later in volume yeah, two. Yeah, and then he finds yeah. it in the garage later. So they kind of deliberately withhold that information. And I mean, I again I we talked about this with Argyle recently. I've talked about it any number of different times. If you have to stop your movie wholesale to explain some twists that happened or this film does the opposite g it deliberately omits information like because any viewer any viewer is just going to assume that after he shoves him off the cliff he's going to walk back up the hill grab the car and take off but nope that's not what happens but they wait until later in the movie to make this ridiculous reveal to us and then cut back to that moment and be like ha 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 but no like right. you do not get to stop your narrative wholesale to explain your twist to us like stop doing yeah. it. <laughs> I think um I mean we'll wrap up here. I think that for me and I'm talking about both movies kind of combined just generally for the whole project. I the reason why I have a little bit more respect for a movie like The Room is because The Room knew or Tommy knew what he wanted The Room to be. You know what I mean? Like he Played it straight. Well, it depends on what your point of view is, but I think he played it straight and it ended up kind of people thought it was hilarious and just couldn't believe that it got made and it became this cult thing or whatever. But when he made it, he was passionate about it. He was serious about it. You know, he he thought it was going to be a serious Hollywood project. Yeah. When you fast forward to like the Best Friends movies, I don't think Sestero and the writers, I don't think they knew what they wanted here because it seesaws too much between that room-esque kind of absurdity and seriousness of the plot, you know, and 
Then you get characters like fucking Uncle fucking Rico Jr. in Volume <laughs> 2. I don't know his name, but that's you all I can think, think of Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico watching that character. Like, that's the level of absurd that character is. You get him. Uh, you get, you know, these little bits of dialogue that were put in there, like, in Volume 1 even, when, um, you know, because he's uh, he works at the mortuary. So when he's doing these autopsies or whatever, like, there's one scene where, like, the Chinese woman died, so they went to have Chinese food. There's one scene where the clown died, so they had cake. You know, it's like little shit that obviously was put in there on purpose. That's just absurd. It's just like silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but then the next scene will be kind of super dramatic and him and Tracy having this argument in the apartment. And like, so the the problem for me, even though I'm rating it higher technically than I did the room, is I don't quite respect best friends as much as I respect the room. Uh, and I hate to compare them because they're so different, but obviously the same filmmakers and people involved in the same kind of universe, if you will. And I didn't hate these movies, you know, like I I sat through them. I found myself enjoying different parts of them. Volume two was enjoyable to me just because of how fucking crazy it was. I mean, it was, I mean, what was the thing with Tommy with the fucking night helmet on? It was just like, like I said, I I I really wish, I I wish they would have embraced that? that tone throughout both volumes, like the, all of it. Like I wish it, I wish it would have just been that over the top. Yeah kind of ridiculous cheesy whatever like they had their tongues planted firmly in their cheeks because like when you see him with that night helmet you can't help but laugh like it just looks so ridiculous and he's walking around with like what like it's like a little german pistol or something like that (laughs) he's like hitting people from like 100 yards away in the damn mountains or whatever i mean i it just the breaks in logic were huge um and it didn't wear itself on its sleeve like the room did. It was just it was just a tonal shift back and forth, up and down. I hated what they did with Tracy's character. Uh, I'm with you. I wish the tone had been more consistent throughout the whole, both volumes. And it just wasn't. It was too all over the place for me. So I gave both of them a before, but I, I think if you're looking at them as single projects, I think volume one is probably a better movie. And honestly, I like the end of volume one with that quick cut of the what we assumed was a dead body with the close up of Tommy's face and kind of that like dark music and it cuts to credits. Like, I like that. Like, that could have been this movie and that would have been fine. I mean, volume two gave us a lot of fodder for, you know, Clint Eastwood Jr. and all that shit. And, you know, all that stuff's funny. And but like, for example, the end of volume two didn't hit me at all. Like, I, I thought it was stupid. Like. Okay, so this dude rides in on his bicycle. He's two faced now, and he's what? He's going to go in there and kill everybody? Like I don't, you know? I mean, who cares? You know what I mean? I do desperately want. I desperately want volume three. I, <laughs> I guess we'll get it. I don't it. care I don't how I feel about this. I need volume three, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what else you got on on best friends, man? I, like I said, I just I I really think there's a tight two hour ish movie in here that could be edited down to make something really really wonderfully digestible out of this i think as it stands now it was it was just too long and i think the fault really is sistero's script i don't know that sistero is accomplished enough as a screenwriter to really have tightened this up to where it needed to be and i justin mcgregor's direction unfortunately i think it, i feel i feel like it's just uneven and yeah, there's that tonal shift. It, like you said, for a film like a like a Kill Bill Volume Two, it works in a Kill Bill sense because Tarantino's Tarantino, and he can pull off complete genre shifts between different movies, or even in the same movie. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 Justin McGregor, unfortunately, is 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 not adept enough to uh, to pull that off here. I just yeah, it it no, it just this this it just and, and that's the problem is because it's so boring at parts and because it drags so endlessly, it doesn't have charm. It it like any charm that it might have, any enjoyment or any anything that you do derive from it that you find enjoyable wanes really really quickly Mm -hmm. because of those extended sequences of just these different characters just doing different things like there's one scene where john sestero's character comes back to the morgue and harvey yells at him for being late a whole bunch of times and then to clean a bunch of stuff up and he like opens a cabinet and takes out some vials or some jars or something and then like twists the lid on them a couple times and like puts them back like it's very clearly just this weirdly (laughs) staged scene where he's supposed to be doing something but they didn't dress the set like well enough and like this wasn't made by tommy Wiseau. this isn't a tommy Wiseau film so you can't fault Wiseau for that i don't necessarily i think maybe 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 like between Sestero writing it and everything like that and Wazo starring in it, like maybe they thought they were going to just be able to swing and, and get a hit out of this. But I, I think that it's just, it, it, it it's not, it's, it's too long and it, it drags too much to really hold your interest to really become like, I, I saw like different people like being like, Oh, it, oh it's going to be, it's going to be a future cult classic. Just you wait and see, like nobody's rocking to the cinema to watch a three and a half hour best friends marathon and, and yeah. doing a quote along because it like it drags so badly mm-hmm. in parts it just becomes complete especially like i said volume two aside from just like laughing at how silly and over the top the uncle is nothing at all happens in volume two for literally the first two-thirds of the movie and then yeah, yosemite sam shows up and you know tries to shoot bugs bunny or crack into the safe or whatever he was trying to do yeah right yeah i mean like that's literally <laughs> all right if you think we're kidding look watch the end of best friends volume two it's free it's on crazy. amazon prime with freebie mm-hmm. and and it, it seriously like the, that dude is like so funny like i just yeah. i could not help but laugh every time that dude was every time that dude was on the screen every time he was talking like even the way he was holding the gun on them when he was holding them at gunpoint, like everything about it was funny. <laughs> they did they did Tracy wrong though, man. That kind of pisses me off still. She was uh she was like a girl next door, America's sweetheart. Cut cut this down into one two hour film, and I bet you this would be like a seven for me. And uh Paul Shear showing up in both movies was yeah. interesting. Obviously also in the disaster artists and uh He's a character actor who's been in a ton of shit. I know him from the league too, that TV show about the fantasy football friends or whatever. But yeah, his uh him showing up there, I did not expect that. I was like, yeah. oh, I know him. Um okay, so a four for me on both volumes, and which is a four, and then a four from Nick on volume two, right? And a five in volume one. Yep. So a four and a half from Nick collectively. So there you go. Our discussion of Greg Sestero's best friends. By the way, why is the R in parentheses? Does anybody know? Has anybody asked him? All right, listen. Maybe it's parentheses R for Rico, like Uncle Rico. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's probably it, actually. I'm going to say that's it. That's probably it. Yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) What are we doing next week, Nicholas? My work schedule is horrible, but I think we're going to try to do driveaway dolls, right? 
Well, you keep telling me you. So here's listen, audience. Gerald keeps waxing yeah. and waning on whether or not he wants to do drive-away dolls. He'll be like, "Well, I guess it's a new release. I guess we could." Do I want to do it. I just don't know if I can see it before Sunday. That's all. It's it's been this late. It's been literally for months now. He's been back and forth on this whole nonsense. So, drive-away Let's, dolls or some random thing yeah. that you don't know what it's going to be, and you'll find there out you go. Next week, whatever it those is. Those are your two options. Dune, it's going to be drive-away listen, dolls or something. Dune else. is on the horizon. Dune, Dune, it is. Dune Part Two is on the horizon. It is, ladies and gentlemen. So it is. A couple weeks excited. down the road, we'll be reviewing that one, and uh, can't wait to see that one. Hopefully, in IMAX myself. You uh, you saw Part One? You you caught it? I did. Yeah, we're going to do a Patreon review of it. Damn sure. I didn't know if that was this week or if you already saw it. No, no, no. I already saw it. I saw it last week when I saw. What did we review last week? I don't know. I don't even know where I am right now. I Lisa think we did. Uh, yeah, we did Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, I already, I already forgot because that's how forgettable that movie is. Nah, movie's great. I love that movie. Can't <laughs> stop thinking of certain scenes in that film. Yeah, I watched. I watched Dune Part One the same day. So yeah, I'm. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm eager to see the story complete. I guess is all I'll really say about that. But yeah, review coming soon to Patreon. We're going to get yeah, our buddy Caleb, a, formerly of Netflix right. and Swill, and what's his new show called? I don't know. It's a new show? Jock Jams. I don't think it's Jock Jams, but <laughs> Wait, he's, got a, he's, he's, he's got a new show. He's only got he's only got like a couple episodes in. It's him doing a music uh, podcast. Uh, but he's going to be joining dude. us. He's a Dune lore master. So if you liked the Patreon episode a while back of of him uh, Tolkien-splaining the Tolkien universe to Gerald, he's going to be on to Herbert explain the Dune universe to me and Gerald. Uh, he did know, do that. For, for he the did first do that. Dude. Yeah, so he did that. He kind of did it with Fifty Shades when we covered those too. He just he loves just kind of breaking it down. He lo- yeah, he loves he loves getting into the lore of all this stuff, which is which is so exciting, we'll which 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 is exciting. But he's not allowed to spoil part two for us because yeah. neither Gerald or myself has any idea what is to come. So gotta stay stop. tuned, folks. Lots of I mean, Gerald, the summer movie season is coming. We've got a whole bunch of exciting stuff coming this summer. Can't wait. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, still uh, still got the Oscars on the horizon as well. So yeah, we'll we'll get the content out there to you guys. But the Dune Part One discussion will be on Patreon. All the links are below are for that. And then next week we will talk about probably drive away dolls. If not, it'll be if not, it'll be another something that's streaming or who knows. I don't know. Another it time, if we can find Big Shark anywhere, man. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see Big Shark someday. But Tommy was those still touring around the country with it. And he won't release it like physical media or streaming until he's done doing like these weird tour engagements where you can go watch it in the theater with. That's got to be intense. I can't. I'm so excited to see that. I I really, really am. We'll have to cover it if we ever get a chance to. All right, guys, uh, tune in next week to see what we're covering. (laughs) We'll find out then. Nick, thanks for staying up late for me, brother. And I will uh, see you soon, man.